שבוע טוב, שלום עליכם. This is Rabbi Eliyahu Elbaz from SLC. And uh, broadcasting from this great station, station of Musar, Divrei Torah, Divrei Halakha. And today, again, I'm going to be speaking about yesterday's parasha. You know, we have 613 mitzvot. Out of those 613, there are two mitzvot that the Torah has stated with the reward next to it. One is the easiest to fulfill. The other one is the hardest to fulfill. The easiest is in our parasha we read yesterday, Shiluach Hakem. The hardest, Kibbut Avvaem, to honor and respect parents. And both, the Torah promises longevity. That the life, your life will be lengthened. Now, we know is a lifetime situation. All the time we have to be very careful in giving proper respect and proper honor to our parents. And sometimes we, we, we may not do that properly either. And certainly that's quite hard. It, it takes so long. Shiloh HaKen could take only about three, four, five minutes. What does that mean? It means like this. If you happen to be walking in a field and you see a nest with a mother bird sitting on either eggs or little chicks, the Torah says, do not take everything. Chase out the mother, then you can take the chicks or the eggs for yourself. Now, the question over here is, what's the idea behind chasing the mother? Is it a question of mercy for the bird? It appears that way. So you don't want the bird to watch that you're taking their, 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 their offspring. You don't want that. But when you look into it, does a bird have a brain? Does a bird think? Does a bird know what it is? Uh, to, to be in grief. But it, it doesn't know. So what's the idea behind this? The Ramban says, it is a question of mercy, but not for the animal, for the human being. This is to train the person in being kind and compassionate. We have to train ourselves. In other words, if for a bird we show compassion, how much more so it would be for your fellow man, especially for your family, your friends, your, your, your peers in the community. That's the idea behind it. As a matter of fact, there is another case that the Torah speaks about in yesterday's parasha, and that is Lotaharosh Beshor Vachamor Yachdav. We're not allowed to plow the land and by having an ox and a donkey together. Well, this command is not restricted to plowing and is not restricted to an ox and a donkey. 
could be any other two species. It doesn't matter. If it's a camel and a horse, you can't do that either. An elephant and a bull, you cannot do that either. And it's not only plowing. Let's say any kind of burden, whatever it is. If you have a carriage, for example, instead of having two horses, uh, you have one camel and a horse. Can't do that either. So that's the idea behind it. So what's, again, is what is the, the question over here? I heard once a little story about this wealthy nobleman who was going on a carriage and he had two horses, very, very strong, hefty horses that he paid quite a bit for. Just before that, it was raining quite hard and the roads were muddy. All of a sudden, as they were going, they were traveling, they hit a big hole with mud and the uh, wheels got stuck. And no matter how much the, the, the horses are pulling, it's just not, it's not uh, it can't, can't go. That's it. it, it won't move. Of course, uh, you know what to do. What are you gonna do here? All of a sudden, they see another carriage coming with two ponies. You know what a pony is? It's a small, small horse. And he stops by and he says, what's the problem? He says, we're stuck here in the mud. And the, the horses can't, they can't pull us out. So he says, you know what? He says to the nobleman, why don't we change the horses? Remove your horses, put my ponies in there. And let's, uh, let's see. They'll pull. So the nobleman says to him, what are you talking about? You know what these horses are? This one I bought from uh, Saudi Arabia, a market over there, the strongest there is. I paid tons of money, and this one came from uh, Egypt, you know, Mitzrayim, the huge. And you're telling me two ponies? So he said, well, what do you got to lose? <laughs> Let's try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. He said, okay. So they put the two ponies there. And lo and behold, after a couple of minutes, they were willing to pull. They they they, they pull out from uh, from the from the mud. The noble man was astounded. He was stunned. Couldn't believe his eyes. What's going on? So he asked him, "What's happening?" It's very simple. The two horses that you have, they may be strong, but each one is pulling in different directions. They aren't helping each other. One is from here. One is from there. There's no Rachmanut here. No one knows what's going on. These two ponies, they're twins. They're from the same mother. When they pull, they pull together. When they pull together, there is something. Something's going to happen. When you have an ox and a donkey, when you have two species, the ox is much stronger. You're going to try to pull very hard. The donkey, probably, he cannot, he cannot follow. And if, if he has to follow, then either he's going to die, gonna fall, he's just going to fall down on the floor, or he's going to die. Okay, so here now, is this a case again of Rahmanut? It's not the question of Rahmanut for the animals. But it's a question of Rahmanut for us. We have 
to get trained in the in this beautiful virtue of being kind and compassionate. You know, one of the three characteristics of a Ben Israel is a Hamanut. As they say, the three characteristics are Ben Israel are Rahmanim, Bashanim, Gumle Hasadim. They're kind and compassionate, they're reserved, they don't have Azut Panim. And if you see that one of the great attributes of a Kadush Baruch Hu is Rahum. Kel Rahum Vichanun. Compassionate and gracious. And in fact, this attribute of Rahmanut is addressed many, many, many times in the Tefilot. Let's say on Yom Kippur, for example, you know, Rahamana, Rahamana Itkarlan, Rahamana, Oz Rahamana, Aviyu Malkinu Rahim Alenu. You look at the praise, you see so many times a question of Rahmanu. Even every day we say, Viyatab Rahamecha Rabin Tahbutsbanu. It's addressed many, many times. This is an extremely important virtue that we're supposed to uh, follow very closely. Now, unfortunately, we have lots of problems in the world nowadays, and you know what? It could be traced, traced to this, to this virtue of Rahmanut, which others don't have. Look at what's going on nowadays. The biggest problems, Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, when you look and you see they don't have this midah at all. It's the opposite. Achzariyut. They don't care about life. They don't care about murder. They don't care about anything. It's a big problem. Now, perhaps by extension, we should also learn about how to treat our people, maybe at work, at home, let's say you have a, a, a few children and one of them is very sharp. The other one is, very, is slow. Don't try to make them compete together because you know what's going to happen. It's like two species here. The sharp one, of course, is going to win. So you, you have to be careful how to treat them. If you have in, in your office a... a a secretary was very short. Another one was slow. Don't put them together in the same room because the other one's going to feel bad all the time. She can't possibly keep up with the other one. We have to learn. We have to always, this virtue, which is characteristic of the Jewish nation, we have to abide by it. Now, if I, if I were to ask you, what did Hamas really accomplish? Oh, let's go even beyond that. What did they think they could accomplish? Terrorizing, killing civilians, and then what? And then what happened after that? Tipshim, Hamurim. They even have admitted one of them, uh, one a great one, one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, leaders had admitted. Uh, that that uh, publicly that hey, 
because they asked him, you know, how come he sent 4,000 rockets and, and hardly anyone has touched. He says, you know, their God is with them. We send it the right way, but, you know, somehow it gets diverted. Hashem is always with us, regardless of what. But, you know, they also know that Israel has a very strong air force. They know that their military armament is much stronger. What, they think they're going to win? Where is it? Where is their, their, their mind altogether? Now they're waking up, right? They see $8 billion to repair. How much anguish caused they caused to, the, to their own people? Half million displaced, 2,000 dead. I predict ISIS will suffer the same fate, if not completely demolished. They don't have this virtue of Rahmanut. Hashem doesn't like that. There's another thing that I would like to touch upon, and we see how the Torah is always kind. You know, even at war, even at war. You know, according to Halakha, if, uh, if, if the Bnei Israel happened to be surrounding a town, an enemy town, and they have the upper hand, they're not supposed to surround all four sides. Rambam rules, you leave one side open. So that whoever wants to leave, let them leave. We're not interested in just murdering. We want peace. We want shalom. And the Torah also speaks about what we call the Efat Torah. There's the first passage we spoke about yesterday. The beautiful woman at war. We know what happens with the Goyim at war, especially Mashiman, Aravim. How much molesting and abuse they do with the women that are on the other side. So the Torah says we're going to regulate this thing. The Torah knows what war does to the person. When a person sees so much killing, murder, and you know, all, all kinds of, uh, of things that are dehumanizing the person, so the Torah says, okay, if you do find a beautiful woman and you desire her, even if she's not beautiful, you desire her, oh, stop right there. You can't abuse this woman. You took her home. Let her uh, mourn her parents for a month, convert her, and then marry her, treat her like a regular wife. Now, that's, that's, that seems to be reasonable. But this is the Yifat Torah. The problem is that the Torah is not telling you, do it. The Torah doesn't say that. The brother can get the It's like the Miraglim, you know. Uh, the spies, the Torah, uh, Hashem did not tell Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, send them, if you want to, go ahead. It's the same thing here. If you, if you have to, you know, you, you can't hold yourself, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a concession here. But only here. Nowhere else. This is the only time there is a concession. If you happen to be somewhere else and there's no kosher food, and say to us, oh, there's nothing available. So, I mean, you know, uh, let me try to uh, uh, alleviate my hunger by making certain leniencies. I can't make any leniencies. Only here 
specifically. That's the only one. But the Hachamim say, you know what? They doresh smuchin, meaning they expound on the proximity uh, of, of the passages in the Torah. The first passage speaks about the Yifatoah. Second one speaks about the woman that is not like to her husband. He has two wives, one that he loves, one that he doesn't. And the Torah says if it happens to be that the Bechor, the firstborn, is by the one he doesn't like, then you, we cannot give the double portion which a firstborn usually inherits to the Bechor of the loved one. Can't do that. Not fair. He was the Bechor. That's it. The third passage speaks about the Ben Sorer Umore, the rebellious child. A rebellious child, the Gemara defines exactly what he did, all kinds of things. He's not listening to his parents, and he steals money from his parents, from his father, and he goes and buys a certain amount of meat and wine. He drinks it all and eats it all in one sitting. Uh, and all that, and then first he gets uh, warned, he gets flogged, and if nothing happens, then at that point, you take him and execute him. But as the Gemara says, really, this, this kind of case where execution is happening never, never really occurred, and it will not occur. And the reason is, why is the reason there? Drush Vekabilscha. Expound the Torah, even if it doesn't have any application, as long as you're learning, you, you get sakhar. Kochim uh, is not, is not uh, the Omasakhta Kochim and the Seder Kochim. It doesn't have much of an application now because we don't have a bit of Mikdash. But we learn it. You learn it. Ke'ilu, you get the sakhar for it. Now, they bring an example, David Amelech Anav Shalom. It was Hasid, Tzaddik, a righteous person. He took a Toar. It was a princess by the name of Ma'acha, the daughter of Talmai. So what happened? He got Abshalom from her. Like we see the smukhin here. And Abshalom, what happened now? He, he, he was going to uh, dethrone his father, he actually did, and he wanted to kill his father. Fortunately, David Amalek ran away, but he wanted to kill him. What more of a rebellious son can you have? Was to kill his father. So had this particular son been killed at 13 or well, before, whatever, we don't know really what he did. We don't know exactly. that It doesn't say anywhere in the Tanakh what he did when he was at 13, but... Had he been killed before, this would never have happened. And this is the idea behind the uh, um, stoning of the Ben Sorero. The Torah says, the Midrash says, The Torah is looking at the consequences, what's going to happen in the future. And the Torah is saying, this kind of person who, who, has, who displays this simanim is going to be a burglar, perhaps a murderer, perhaps what? Get rid of him right now. Right? 
This is, this is the idea behind. We have to be wise enough to look at what's going to happen in the future before we do anything. Like the Mishnah, the Mishnah Pirkei says, Ezehu Hacham Hacham is the one that can see what's going to happen in the future. You happen to be passing by on a very hot summer day and you see an ice cream parlor that's not kosher. You say to yourself, oh, you know, man, you know, it's only ice cream. So what? Listen. What are you going to gain out of it? Five minutes of physical enjoyment? Physical pleasure? What happens after that? Forever. That sin is going to be recorded. For good, forever. Look at the consequence. When you see what's going on in the future. Interesting, the Baal Shem Tov brings a, uh, a parable. Not a true story, just a parable. He said that uh, this young man who was visiting his mother every now and then, a couple, few times a week, and the mother, you know, became uh, already... Uh, old, she was 85 years old, and he figured the best way is to somehow be next to her. So he went to the neighbor who has a home right next to his mother's, and he asked him, he wants to buy it. He says, you know, what's the market price? 200000 I'm going to give you $250,000. Give me, sell me the house. He says, no, I don't want to. Right? He doesn't want to, now he could do. He asked him a couple of times. He refused. So then, this young man was smart. Came over to him. He said, you know what? Okay. You don't want to, to sell the house, but I would like to just buy from you one nail. One nail in your living room. Put a nail there. Every time I come to, to see my mother, I put my coats in there, whatever, hang it up, and that's it. I'll give you $20,000 for that. <laughs> One day, $20,000. You know, how often does he come to see his mother? A couple of times a week. Oh, no problem. So I want to write the contract. The contract states, I'm going to hang whatever I want, and you cannot touch it, you cannot see, you can't touch. Leave it alone. She says, okay, fine. Gives him the $20,000. Renovates the apartment a little bit, buys a new fridge, new stoves, and everything. Yeah, he's happy. Fine. First month, nothing happens. Then, knocks at the door one day. Says, no, "I'd like to hang my uh, my coat." Says, no problem. Okay. That's the deal. Yeah, fine. Hangs his coat. Next thing he knows, a week later, he comes in at three a.m. three o'clock in the morning. Knocks on the door. <laughs> What's going on? I want to hang my coat. Says, what? There's nothing he can do. The whole house is, <laughs> is awakened, but nothing he can do. Okay, fine. A week later, he comes in with a bag of dead chickens. He says, I want to hang. Comes in the middle of the night, I want to hang him there. And no choice. Puts in, hangs him there. But then... 
He can't see it. He can't touch it. Starts to stink. Couldn't take it. So he calls him. Please, come, 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 come. Whatever you want. Buy the house. Buy whatever you want. Buy the house. He offered me $250,000. Give me the $250,000. Wait a minute. That was a few months ago. Now, you want to sell it? One fifty, or nothing, or no deal. He had no choice. This is what Baal Shem Tov says. Had this person been wise enough to realize, hey, why would a person buy a nail for twenty thousand? That must be some kind of a trick in there. He didn't think. We. You have to look at the, at the consequences. Be very careful about anything that you do. Make sure that there is no Avon Hazri Shalom in there. Whether it's a matter of Shabbat or Kashrut, Tefillin, Sukkah, whatever. Make sure it's the right thing. Now, of course, it's a, a little time. This is the time where we have to be, you know, more Rahmanim, Gumle Hasadim, to give Tzedakot. We have to be very careful, increase our mitzvot, make our record upstairs very, very high in mitzvot and Maasim Tovim. You know, Elul. Is the Rashid Tevot of Ani Lidodi Vedodi Li. I am your beloved and my beloved to me. But, you know, why is it for Elul we had this Ani Lidodi Vedodi Li? When you look at Shirashirim, you'll see that the vast majority of the time they talk about the Knesset Israel and Hashem. Not as a, a dod, not as an uncle and a nephew or a niece, but as rayati, as my as a wife. That's what is all the rayati, afati. You know, it's all like a, it, 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 it's a husband and wife. But here, it's about a dod. Why here a dod? Rabutai, Elul. This is Elul. You see, the bond between husband and wife. Is very strong. No question about it. Even stronger than a nephew and an uncle. But it can be broken. If, if God forbid, it doesn't work, huh? there's a way out. Give a get. Goes out. That's it. Finished. A relationship between uncle and nephew could never go away. It's, it's there since a person is born. And he stays with him all his life. And this is why in Elul, we want our bond with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Bashem, to be forever, for good. Nothing can possibly come in between to break it, God forbid. And if we always think that way, and always look towards Hashem at all times, and fulfill His mitzvot, We'll have no problem coming, coming out winners on Yom Adin, which is Rosh Hashanah. Shavuatov, 
Rabotai, do not forget trying to help out this uh, great station. And also, if you have any simha, why don't you look, look us up? We have a beautiful hall for any kind of simha that you have. Shavuatov.